Hey, 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 welcome, welcome to another edition of The Create Show. I'm your host, Eric Campbell. Appreciate you being here and just checking us out. Uh, I think this is episode five, so we're kind of getting our legs now. Uh, this is The Create Show, where each week we take a deep dive into creativity in general, creative processes, helping artists, whether you're a, a writer or a musician or a painter, uh, if you do pottery, whatever your area of creativity is, we're going to talk about um, how to do what you do better, how to avoid the blocks that sometimes hinder us. And I've uh, got a really cool show today. Uh, first, let me give a shout out to James Caldwell and Rick Ross, the uh, founders of the Music Education Group, which has have given us this access to their amazing studio here uh, in Southwest Atlanta at the Dunbar Rec Center. Um, they do a lot of work uh, with the youth in this area, helping educate them about music education, music production, songwriting, just some awesome work, and they've got a really great facility. So we're thankful uh, for, this, for the spot. And if you're looking for a place to do your own show or podcast, uh, you should talk to them about uh, how to make that happen. also want to shout out the X-Squad Radio Network. Uh, they've been great about boosting our show, and we're just all glad to be a part of that to be affiliated with them. Uh, but I'm going to jump right into today's episode because I have a very cool guest, someone who's a, a good friend, and we've uh, made cool music together, and he's just an awesome, amazing uh, person in his own right, both musically and outside of that. So I'm happy to welcome Matthew Head to the studio. What up, Matt? What's up, man? Thank you for having me, brother. Yeah, it's real cool to uh, talk like this. So just real, I'm a... I'm a uh, just so for those who, who don't know you, Matthew, Matt is um, an award-winning producer, composer. Um, as you've, you've been familiar with his work probably on the TV shows like Greenleaf. Uh, I don't know what I can talk about, so I don't, I'll, let, I'll save some <laughs> stuff that you can talk about that might be coming up uh, in the next month or two. But... Um, um, yeah, I, I'll, maybe I'll let you do the bio. <laughs> um, but I, we, we are going to, I want to talk because we have, you're the first person that's been on the show that can talk about scoring. So Matt is an Emmy award winning composer for movies as well as a producer of music for artists, for television. Uh, and so the pers we're going to jump into a lot of these different perspectives today because each of those roles take a different kind of uh, creativity. Um, but since my introduction was so poor, you give a better <laughs> <laughs> synopsis of no, I mean, you who you good. are and what you uh, did. <laughs> what you do? Well, I am a um, like you said, film composer, music producer here in Atlanta. Um, uh, my credits, you know, extend from you know movies from TV One and BET. Um, I was a music producer for Greenleaf uh, season two and three. Um, I also uh, am the composer for the BET series, The Family Business, which comes on every week on Tuesdays. Um, also, have done um, movies with uh, for BET, TV One, um, Lifetime, um, some commercial work. Um, so a little bit of everything, kind of a Renaissance guy. Very, very much yeah. so. Very much so. Um, good. I'm glad I didn't say something that. that oh well. I mean, we'll talk, well, I mean, that's down the road. We talk about, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so, so right, I mean, we just let's just jump into this because you do have you have the benefit of sitting in two different places of as a producer 
and as a songwriter and therefore, I mean, as a producer and as a composer, and so you've had to develop different processes for both. So let's go back because from what I'm familiar with your story, you started as a music producer working working with artists, right? right? So take me quickly from music producer working with artists to film scores, and then we'll get into TV. But how do we go, how do we go from working with artists doing beats mm-hmm. to scoring TV? Well, um, my biggest influence was Quincy Jones. So um, one, of my, one of the things that I, I used to read, I read his bios. So mm-hmm. I always wanted to jump into TV and film um, somewhere down the road. But the, actually, the jump was easy. It was kind of made for me. Um, no one would, would take my tracks. Um, <laughs> uh, just being honest with you, uh, I'm a. Uh, I was told I was a. a back in the day, um, my, all of my tracks were too big and too elaborate and had a lot okay. of different things. So I didn't fit the norm um, of what music was sounding like. Um, I couldn't produce for every artist. I had to actually be handpicked and go with certain artists, which I was proud of. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, ashamed of it at all. But which is funny because now you come full circle and you do in production, even though it's on TV. Right. It's for artists. Right. It's for a big artist. Right. So that's so what ended up happening. Um, a lot of uh, music I would submit um, to to labels and to different people. They were actually. Um, you know, listen to them and want to turn into instrumentals. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine um, um, had a film that came out and well, did a film and he needed music for it. And he found a library of my music and just put it in his film. And he called me and said, hey, man, is there any way you can manipulate this music, kind of slow it down, make it fit certain scenes? Uh, I love the overall sound and vibe of it. And so I went to the studio and did it, and that was it. And it just my whole world changed by watching my music behind uh, on film, and um, that's how it happened. Okay. <laughs> and it literally, and I just kind of went down that road with him, which led me down to other opportunities, other avenues, and then uh, came back full circle to producing music and had to go back and um, ch- channel those inner thoughts of what I used to do, you know, 15 years ago. Okay. I, I, all right. So let me ask first. So if you go back to that first transition from um, working with art, as as a beat maker, you you worked with artists. You had artists that you worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a process then. So take right. me back then to when you. So I want to get a little snippet of what your what you felt your process was at that time, and then how did you have to transition your process when you started doing TV? Well, the one thing about me, I can't make tracks. I don't. I'm I'm not the. Um, when I say I can't make tracks, I'm not the guy to sit at home and make beats. And, and just have like a beat CDs. And, yeah. yeah. I'm a collaborator. So I like to get in the room with the artists. So the artists I used to work with, I was two or three artists. One was Prince Strother, I worked with Jimmy Cravity. Um, um, they're phenomenal songwriters mm-hmm. in Atlanta here right now. And um, so we used to sit in the studio with the keyboard and myself and them and literally build from scratch. Okay. Um, so I used to sit at the keyboard and Prisca would sing a song or another artist I worked with, she would sing a song or Jimmy would start the melody and I'll play and follow and then we'll literally just build from there. Um, and it, it, it's kind of the same process I do when I work on film. It was just one of, I'll take their emotion and make music around the emotion they already had. Um, and from then on, but if I made a beat by myself or did something on my own, it would turn into this elaborate emotional, out of control, you know, 40 track, track. <laughs> and so it, it was hard for, it's, it was the me making beats was hard for me to translate that with songwriters. Okay. I had to literally be in the room with the songwriter to record and to, re, to make something for that 
I like that process better than just here's a beat, listen to it, do you like it, write something to it, and then go record it tomorrow. Right. I wanted to be in the in the the zone with them the entire time. Very collaborative. Um, yeah. And so from there, it, so that was my beginning process, and okay. it kind of taught me how to react off of emotion. Okay. A lot better. So from that, okay. So let's take that to your first. So you said the very first show uh, was it was it a it was a film. Right, so the very first film you scored, they pretty much looked at instrumentals you already had, and they said just kind of reworked these right. for this. Mm-hmm. And then, so then going forward, you just started getting shows um, sent to you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I've, I've seen some of the process, so help the, the listener kind of get this view of, because I've seen, like, Pro Tool, you work in Logic, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. um, the Logic is, is there set up, and then in the system, you have the film on the screen, you're able to see the screen with mm-hmm. no, I, mean, I guess you have the audio, but there's no music in the background. Right. It's probably, like, the first time you heard that, it's probably really it weird to kind of watch. Yes, yes, it was very weird. Um, yeah, I can't even picture that. Like, I think if you're, and if there's something that you're interested in doing to, to the listener as a composer, you know, it'd probably be a cool idea to, like, take a movie you're listening to or something on Netflix and then maybe put the subtitles on and then mm-hmm. mute it and just watch it and, like, right. realize how dependent we are for on the music um, for that music, emotion. Music, music is all around us, and you just don't know you're hearing it. All uh, the time. All the time. So, um, but the one process that I, you know, that I started, when I first started working in film and television, and the first thing, my, after my first film, um, I started getting... Um, Commercials. Okay. Um, so I did some commercials for uh, Buick GMC, and um, and so I would get in Cadillac. I'll get their commercials, and it basically taught me how to write themes. Okay. Um, the one thing about um, film and television scoring, um, there has to be a theme behind it, a motif, a sort of speak. It can't just be here go a movie. I'm gonna make music, or they're sad. I make sad music. Um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But then, that, then, then that becomes more redundant, and there's no overall process. So it's like you're, as you being a, as you watch the movie, you see the actors. You want to grow with the actors mm-hmm. and grow with the story. As a composer, you have to add to that story. Hmm. You just can't add filler music. It becomes wallpaper, so to speak. Okay. So you have to have the music grow with the audience. So what I would love to do now, when I got commercials. I had 45 seconds or a minute mm-hmm. to come up with a theme, so to speak, or overall sound for that commercial without having a script and without watching it. So this is so, and whether it's a 45-second commercial or a two-hour movie, you're really not placing small instrumentals throughout. You're mm-hmm. literally composing a whole piece I'm making, from start to finish. I'm making a two-hour song. Wow, okay. that's, and that's one thing I, I tell people. It's like a two-hour song. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have a beginning, middle, end. Mm-hmm. You have a, a you know climax. You have bridge. You have chord. Things that repeat itself. That's what I'm doing when I do a score. Okay, um, or try to as most as possible because I want the I want the music to have a an emotional impact as well instead of just fillers. You know, and um and that's the thing that sometimes get lost. You know, um, if you think of Movies like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a theme with that, you know. Of course, you had Celine Dion, the song she made, but then you also had a theme of the music, the sound, the the the, the, the instruments that they use, uh, the notation that they use, um, how it comes across. So, very cool. All right, which is a good, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, I want to Matt's going to talk more about this process of scoring for a film. 
Uh, I want to talk about how you originally learned this. Okay. And then I want to hear even more about the process, some more questions cool. about the process. All right, sure. we will be right back with Matthew Head, Eric Campbell, and the Create Show. Thank you. You hurt me bad, I hurt you more. We play but keep. Is this love or is it more? We started out just paper cuts. Now we got bruises and scars. How did we fall this much? If this is the only dance we know. Okay, we are back. Uh, you tuned into the Create Show, and we're talking with uh, composer, producer Matthew Head, and we were talking about. So we're talking about your process, right? Um, so by now you've been doing this for a while, and you can articulate your process very well. When you started, how did you do that transition? How did you learn what you had to do? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> No, when I um, when I first started, um, I, I first had my first film that was kind of track placement, and okay. I had to kind of learn how to use that kind of stuff. But I did my first commercial, which okay. was very hard because okay. I had a you know it was a minute commercial, and with it, they're going to chop it up to 30, 45 seconds, depending on what spot they want to put it in. And I had a little script I had to read, and I had no visuals. Um, they they didn't they didn't shoot a commercial yet. Uh, a lot of times, composers are hired in pre-production, so mm-hmm. I, we get the scripts, we read the scripts, and the production company wanted to hear themes or different ideas, and I had to literally create stuff off top of my head, you know, just, so I had to sit down and kind of go back, channel my old school, you know, way of thinking and making a beat that I think would be dope for a commercial, but it was the first time I could not worry about a vocal or worry about an artist, or I can just do me, and I did it, and so once I did that, uh, it got approved, and then I got the film. Uh, the, the, they shot the commercial, cut it down to edits, and I got the edit, and I was able to kind of, you know, maneuver some things and make it fit for the edit. Um, and so that kind of taught me the process of what film composing is. Because it's, it's watching, it's making music for film, where mm-hmm. you can watch the screen, and we do all that as well, but it also starts in the pre-production stage of, of coming up with ideas to pitch to the director and pitch to the production company so they'll know... Um, where you're at, what lane you're in. Okay. Um, and so they can decide on also how to shoot things and where to, where to maneuver things. And, and so a lot of times I'll get the script way before they shoot it so I can read the script and get the story. And the director may ask, well, what do you feel? What kind of music do you hear here? What, what is um, the main character's theme? What is, his, what is the antagonist's theme? Mm. And, and that kind of thing. So... It's, that's the fun part. So you jumped in really both feet though. Like there was no yes, training chorus. There was no nah, nah. no. Um, it was me and God, <laughs> me and Jesus, <laughs> and my wife. <laughs> and my wife. 
Yeah. What yeah. about technically? Like, um, you already had you had tons of sounds and VSTs as a producer. Mm-hmm. Were you just using what you had? Or did you have to get a whole new? I used what I had. Um, I'm a piano player, so mm-hmm. I grew up playing piano. Um, so I just used what I had. I didn't want to, um, you know, that stuff comes in time. Right. Um, um, I didn't want to go out and buy thousand dollars. I'm a I'm I'm a strong believer in use what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what I had got me the opportunity. So me trying to change, you know, go in and look at something on TV and say, oh, I need to buy all this stuff, and it made a, might have changed my sound. Right, So right. what got me there, I wanted to stay. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, now it's different, though. I'm yeah, now you got everything. <laughs> <laughs> and you're losing live strings uh, yeah. and live musicians. <laughs> and I'm just buying everything. <laughs> okay, so walk me through... Um, so one commercial led to another commercial. Yes. Listen more mo- t- TV movies yes. and opportunities, um, and then as you so are, you, are you learning on the job per se? Like each each one is just giving you more experience, more each knowledge. One is, yeah, each one is giving more experience. Is I'm learning on the job. Even even now in my career, I'm still learning on the job because there's things that you just every every production is different. Every every director is different. Um, so you have to approach it different. You can't approach it with, this is how I do things. Mm-hmm. Um, on the show I'm working on now, it's com- I'm working on two shows right now, and they're completely different. Um, one show is has 100 people, you know, chiming in on what the, where it should be and 100 opinions, which is great sometimes. And then there, the other show has three people that have an opinion. And so it's just kind of like trying to balance the fact that, you know, and they're both network shows and they're both, you know, on television, so it's not one of those things where one's kind of independent. They're both network shows, but it just depends on who's running the show want it to be like. Um, so I'm learning as we go. Um, the one thing I've learned as a composer is to learn how to be a communicator because okay. I have to um, tell directors and producers my process and what it should sound like because they don't speak music. They don't, spe- they don't speak the language I speak, so mm-hmm. I have to you know, let them understand why there's a method behind the madness and we're going to get to where you want to go. Right. Because I have to literally take my music out of my head and put it in their head and take the music out of their head and put it in my head. Right. So we have to become, you know, one. A lot of communication. Yeah. Yes, over-communicating. <laughs> so, okay, let me take it back a little bit. So we went from making uh, beats with artists mm-hmm. to uh, composing for... Commercials right. and television, and then when you got to Greenleaf, that put you back in the producer role. Right, right. So what was that like? At first, like I, if I remember what you said, you were expecting to go back to the producer role. Like you were happy. Yeah, composing. yeah, yeah. I was good composing. Composing <laughs> was because composing um, it allowed me to be a little. Producing and composing are two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, producing music for an artist or producing music for a television show is 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 you're more of a coach, you mm-hmm. know, um, the way I look at production. Production is a very broad word, so it can be from, you know, writing music to, to making the track to organizing to coaching, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, my approach to production is a lot different from a lot of other producers I know. Um, I like to take the old school modern, old school way of production. I, you know, like I said, Quincy Jones, Rick Rubin, uh, those guys I look up to, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sean Combs right. and all that, you know, I don't want to make the beat. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I want to put a team together to get the sound. So what I had to do with, with Greenleaf, it, it threw me back into that world of 
it was gospel music, mm-hmm. and it threw me in a world of um, bringing a team together. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want the sound to sound like from a computer, right. um, especially when we're doing gospel music. It had to feel a certain way. And so I had to find those players. I had to find the band, the songwriters, the, 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 everyone who wants to be a part of it. I had to bring that together. And so that's what production is to me. Um, it's not literally sitting down making the track and hoping someone likes it. It was really putting together a team of this songwriter works well with this artist and or this songwriter can write for this artist and this style of music, this player can do this, this drummer can do this, mm-hmm. this you know engineer can do that. That's what my role was as a producer for the show, um, which uh, sometimes confuses people because they'll come in and say, well, you're not even playing nothing. And then when they see me play, they're like, oh, why'd you call me? And I'm right. like, well, because you can, you're, this is what you're supposed to do. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, and composing is literally a selfish thing. It's me. It's right. all it's me. It's just you isolated. It's me isolated. And when I need something, I call I call in. So composing starts with me firsthand. It mm-hmm. starts with me sitting down with the script and having a conversation with the director and me coming up with what I feel fits for the music, uh, fits for the, for the scene and the show or the movie. And then from there, the process will grow. If I need you know live players to play on things, I'll call in and say, hey, this is what I wrote. This is what I want you to do. Um, but it's, it's just two different worlds. Right. Two so worlds. now that you've come full circle... Um, you're, you're in a position where you, you tackle whatever comes. It could be an artist project, it can be right. uh, a film score, it can be uh, um, producing for a show. Does it require a mental shift in your head? Do you like have to stop and say, okay, let me shift gears, I'm in producer mode, or I'm in yes. composer mode? Like, what yes. is that like for you? Um, I try not to do too much at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as compose, like right now, I'm in composer mode. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was telling you before, um, an opportunity came my way where I had to kind of pick what role I wanted to ro- go into, go towards. Composing is is, is my love. It's, it's it's something that I um, that was the first time I'm. I was recognized for what I can do. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's it's like a nostalgia thing for me. Um, I just I just love creating music for um, scenes and emotions. Right. Um, I'm not the... I always tell people music was a hobby for me for a long time. No one knew I played piano. No one knew I made music. No one knew I made tracks and beats and stuff. But it was something that was more of a relaxing vibe for me. So composing for a film and television is therapeutic. Okay. Because I can literally watch and get attached to the characters and get attached to the emotion of the move of the movie and be able or the film or, t- or television and and bring out my inner thoughts, my right. inner feelings. Producing um, is great, but it's more of to me, not a job, but a source of well, like a job. Mm-hmm. It has to get done. Right. Um, and with so many songwriters and artists, is everyone can be involved, and it's it's hard to maneuver in that space sometimes yeah. because everyone's a producer. Yes, you know. So does it, is it so is part of it because like with composing, you really have a lot more opportunity to, like you said, to emotionally contribute to right. to the work of art. Whereas maybe like on the show, 
you've already got a script, you've got a direction, you got all, you got a lot of other people kind of feeding mm-hmm. where this is going, and you have your part to play. But composing, you've got a you right. Con- yeah. contribution. Yeah, because I am the music of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing about composing, about the music and film, is it is it plays it's, it's, it is as important as the main actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you take music out of your favorite movie. You're not watching it, right? Um, or you add too much music to your favorite movie. You're not watching it. Um, the film, the score of a of a of a film or a television is such an impactful moment that you have to connect. The composer has to connect to the project. Um, everyone who's involved has to have to connect. We have to believe in it. Um, and so that's the thing that that is important to me that I love to do and love to create around is being to get, able to connect. Every composer can't do everything. Like, right. I will never take projects that don't I can't connect with because when I sit down mentally and when I sit down physically and mentally to attach myself to a film, I have to understand what these characters are going through, and I can't psych myself out of that. That's so. interesting. Okay. All right. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come um, back, and when we come back, we're going to um, talk to Matt about... Um, about his creative work-life balance, and <laughs> gonna, we're gonna, you know, talk about just creativity and uh, balancing all that. It's, uh, that's gonna be a really good discussion. So, come, we're gonna check back in with you. This is the creation. This is uh, Eric Campbell, The Create Show. We're talking with uh, Matt Head, composer, producer. Um, so we did a, a lot of dive. Actually, I'm going to change what I said because I said I wanted to talk about work-life balance, but I meant to ask something before we get into that. Okay. Because um, you had mentioned something to me once before, and it blew my mind when you said it because I never thought, I haven't composed for film or TV or anything like that. So I, I you had mentioned how the talk about what you said about the space on the screen and how that affects how you how you compose because I always thought you know hey you just throw strings on or you know you kind of have a little vibe but mm-hmm. the method to whether there's a big space or small oh, space okay yeah yeah that was that was mine yeah the, there's there's tips to composing um, remember as a musician you are uh, as a composer the music is an actor or an actress is a part of the um, of the show, of the TV, of the film, whatever whatever you're watching. Um, so the thing about it that I want, that I've learned, is if you're in a small space, 
if you have two people having a conversation um, and they're in a room such as this size, um, what would it sound like musically if music was involved? And I would not have a sixty-piece orchestra composing composing a, or, a sixty-piece orchestra, a string orchestra, to this scene that the we're big in. This big symphonic sound. I can't do that right. because we're in a room probably um, the size of a bedroom or right. in the studio. So um, this scene would be more uh, to me a piano and a string. Um, so the, the the rule of thumb is to me is if you can fit uh, whatever how many instruments you can fit in a room, in the space, that's what it should sound like. Mm. So if I'm in an open field and I'm running in an open field, you can put an assisted piece in an open field, it's, it, you can do that. So you have to determine, there's certain things, certain tips that has to make sense to the human eye and ear because you have to translate visual and, and, and you have to also what people are listening to. So you cannot just have this out-of-control sound when two people are just having a conversation. Right. Or you can't have this minimum sound where there's a big war going big on. Space. <laughs> right, right. So you have to, you know, find the balance of 22 because it has to make sense. And you are the, you are, you play a role in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, not long enough the film, but in the scene, you play a role. So either you are out of, out of line or in line is no different from the actor or actress is saying their lines. You have to be in line with everything. So that's kind of a cool tip. Yeah, that's a great tip. So where did you where did you pick that up from? Um, I saw I, I listened to other composers and also it happened to me. Um, okay. I was composing a, a a score for a film and it was a dramatic moment and like the. Someone's house burned down, and it was like dramatic. And I was just, I threw, you know, I had strings and horns and drums and and all these crazy doom, 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 boom sound. And because I just said, oh, dramatic, let's make it dramatic. Is somebody lost their house? I, I thought way bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the director saw it, he said, oh man, it sounds great. He said, but that's not what I was looking for. I said, what? He said, well, if you notice the little girl, the, the, the pan, the, the shots of the little girl. You see the house burned down, but the scene's about the little girl. Mm. The little girl burned down the house mm. on accident. So that's the focal point. So the little in this in the scene the little girl was in, the the area she was in, she was in a um in her bedroom and she was standing in her bedroom and her house was burned down. Wow. So what I saw was burned down house, doom, 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 doom. But what it was was an intimate moment of the mm. girl knowing she burnt down her house and she made a mistake by leaving the heater on. Wow. I had to translate that. So I had to dumb, you know, not dumb down, but take out so much stuff. And I just had a piano and a, and a small cello. And it made more, it was so impactful because in that room, you couldn't fit a, fit a six-piece orchestra in because our house burned down. Right. But you can fit a piano and a small cello in there, and it translated so much better for the eye and the ear. So, and you just take me on a whole different path, but I want right. to keep following it. This is great. So, technically, how, how do you feel, like, and I, I don't want, this could go into history and all kind of stuff, but it intrigues me the thought of how Certain instruments are attached to certain emotions. Like mm-hmm. cello is sad, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you build your repertoire of 
music sounds, and I got some of this out of when um, I read Quincy's um, bio too, and he talks a lot about this when he was creating, like doing jazz compositions, and right. how he would blend sounds together, and a certain sound had to give him a certain emotion. So, mm-hmm. how do you build that library of sounds and equate them with emotions? You know, whether it's right. trumpets and brass, or you know, victorious or energy, or mm-hmm. how, where does that library come from? Well, the one thing about it, um, there's two types of composers. Mm-hmm. There are the there's the and I don't want to speak out, and I may get in trouble down the road. I don't care. But there's there's the creative composer. Mm-hmm. Those are the nuance, the ones that come out, have a different sound, different vibe, different everything. And then you have the copycat composers. Um, and I can and I can speak. I was a copycat composer as well because when you walk in, you don't know. Right. So you listen to a Hans Zimmer, you listen to a, uh, a you know different composers, and you like, all right, let me what they do. Okay, they use a big brass. I'm gonna use a big brass sound. Oh, they y'all use strings. I'm gonna use strings. And once you learn how to do that, you realize that you can't get jobs. And I'll never forget, someone called me. I was, I was pitching myself for an indie film about 10 years ago. And I had, you know, you know, I pitched myself like, I can sound like this. I can do anything you want. And the first thing the guy said, he said, man, I'm looking for a composer, not a copycat. He said, if mm-hmm. I want a copycat, I can go to a library and find those lib- you know, find, find the inception scene and throw it in there. I can right. go buy the, you know, whatever. So, and here's one thing. I do want to say this. Though, in copycat composer doesn't mean wrong because one thing that a composer that can do everything, he can sell himself on library. That's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, because a lot of films and television, they do take library yeah. um, cues. Right. Which, because they will need that. They don't want to spend the budget for a Han. So they will say, hey, I need the Batman vibe for this, you know, um, comedic spoof. You know, right. I, you know, it's 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 weird. It's kind of cool, but it is weird to see that strung through a movie. Cause then, you know, I can say for you know TV shows use them all the time, but for a movie, when you, how do you get a motif if you're just dropping different things? Right, like, right. It's, it's you know, like Comedy Central does it a lot. You know, mm-hmm. if you're doing a like if you're doing like a sketch comedy, they may have you know certain comedy shows need you know certain things. I, I know I did a um, uh, something for Comedy Central. They did a Dick Tracy. Um, thing and it was uh, you know funny spoof and so they needed the whole Dick Tracy sound so right. I had to go listen to the Dick Tracy score and mimic right. what they did to make it feel like that but um, better I was saying so what I try to do with my palette is I try to literally everything starts with the piano for me if I can do it musically through a piano everything else comes in play um, of course you have your strings um yeah, your, your brass, your orchestra, you had those times. But a lot of directors now and a lot of movies, they're transitioning from uh, having that original sound into something new and mm-hmm. creating something different. Um, strings bring emotion. Strings are like voices. You know, they're the choir uh, to me. Mm-hmm. And they give you the, the you mix them like voices too. They, they, they give you the, the, the voice of, of sad. They can, they can make you happy, sad, dark. Um, up to you know whatever you want strings to do, um, so it's just learning how to understand your lane and what kind of composer you want to be. Do I want to be the composer that do all the big sixty piece orchestra things, 
or do I want to be the composer like a Pharrell, mm -hmm. who who, I, who uses his drum patterns and still uses his making beats as score? And still finds emotion. And still in finds that. emotion into it. Um, do I want to be like Raphael Sadiq? Mm -hmm. Raphael Sadiq is a composer. He's done Insecure. He's done a lot of things. He uses a lot of bass, and he uses a lot of funk drums and funk bass in his scores. Mm. Um, very minimum strings. If he uses strings as a quartet. So it's just... It's finding your sound and finding your way and, be, and understanding what your sound is. So I'm still at the stage where I'm developing that sound, what I want to sound like. Because when a director or a production company is pitching or doing a film or a television show, they have a sound in mind, mm -hmm. what this show sounds like. Um, and we need to find a composer that makes that sound. That sound. Instead of go find a composer to make him make the sound. Right. Right, right. So you should have a sound identified. Right. When people think of what they're looking for, they're like, oh, yeah, I want, I want right. this sound. Right. I want Matthew Head's sound. Right. Because when you call, I mean, you look at, you know, all the Batman movies or any kind of Marvel movie, you're going to call Hans. Mm -hmm. Hans going to give you that sound. Also, too, creating the sound within the palette. You know, using, manipulating the strings. You don't have to record them a certain way. You can right. record them completely different than what, you know, um, the industries they do it. You know, using vocals a certain way, using vocal. There's so many ways you can do it. What strikes me about this is that, hearing you describe this, is that the creative, creative process for scoring has shares with creative process for songwriting or for doing books. The other thing is... is that first you have to learn the rules of that place. And then right. once you learn the right. rules, you you have to find a way to make it your own. Because if you are, you know, and so maybe you, like you said, you do start off copy, copycatting just to understand the rules, mm -hmm. understand how things work. But your real creativity comes about, and you can't really be creative until you understand the rules. Otherwise, right. you're just doing whatever. You're just right. throwing random sounds on, but you don't really understand Right. This industry has existed and has it communicates a certain way, but mm -hmm. once you understand that, then then yeah, you have to move beyond that and be like, okay, now this is me in this industry. Right, yeah. right, and and that's why you know I guess I'm in that stage. That's why composing um, was uh, these couple of episodes, these these new things that I have was so important because it allowed me to separate myself, or go back to the learning how to to develop my sound. Um, I needed these shows. I told uh, an engineer, my engineer uh, Jason Brown, an engineer we work with, mm -hmm. I told him, I said, I need these shows. I mean, um, and I need this composing job because it allows me to separate myself from Matt, the music guy, um, to Matt, the composer. Right, because you're going to put your signature on something. And, right. Yeah. And so... Um, Which is interesting because your signature now is going to be totally evolved because of your production experience. If you were just yes. going just, just scoring all the yes. years, you would have had a signature, but your signature now is doing, from doing Greenleaf and from working and pulling all the musicians together and working with the choirs and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff, mm -hmm. now your, your scoring signature right. is totally, totally different now. It's different. And, I, and I, that's the one thing, I too, I tell everyone, everything is practice. Mm -hmm. Every project, every show, every moment is a practice for something else. Mm -hmm. um, Greenleaf taught me a lot. Um, if I've met some amazing musicians, some amazing people um, that I'm using now on scores mm -hmm. that I'm working on now. Um, and from before Greenleaf, music production, making, making tracks and in my house, 
when no one can hear them but me, it taught me so much uh, that I'm using to this day. Right. Um, and it's going to evolve. So that's the thing that that is, that's one thing about music. I love that you said that you got to know the rules. You have to know the rules, but understand there aren't any rules. You see what I'm saying? Right. Because at the end of the day, it's your interpretation of what your art is. Um, and I have to be, in, and and I have to have those conversations with directors sometimes because mm-hmm. they, the first thing they look at the composer, they think strings, brass, horn, woo. They're like, why aren't the strings uh, here? You know? Right. And then once you start creating with the director and he start to, and they and they he or she start to see the moments and feel the moments, then you understand why I don't need a string here or why I would need a string here. Um, so that's the fun part. That's awesome. Okay, um, we're going to take a break, and I promise now when we come back, <laughs> we're going to talk about work-life balance. Work-life. Uh, all right, uh, we'll be back with the creation. the create show um so okay matt so um i feel like i don't know what it's been three four years i've known you now right right uh Mm -hmm. so and and all the time i've known you and known of you you've you've always juggled like at least (laughs) five or six things and actually respect i have so much respect for you because like you have you know Prior to Greenleaf, you were working a full-time job and mm-hmm. still scoring, mm-hmm. still, um, you know, married uh, with two kids, mm-hmm. you got family life, and and from where I sat, you've always, like, you know, one, you've never not been working, and you've always done an amazing job of kind of juggling all those things. Right. So do you... Do you have either philosophy or processes that you use that allow you to, like... Stay on task, get work done, keep things cool at home. Like, how right. do you work this? Um, yeah, man, it's 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 um, priorities is 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 the thing. You have to write down what's important. Um, I listened to your um, your earlier show, and it was saying, "Are creative selfish, mm. um, or are we sacrificing?" Um, I do not sacrifice um, certain things when it comes to music. Um, 
music is not creating music is not the end goal. Okay. Um, making money from music is not the end goal. Um, music is an art, so whatever I do, music will be a part of it. If it's with my kids, if it's with my wife. Um, previously, I was working full time as a, as a in a school. I use music throughout that. Music is not the way for me to be successful. So I always use that as my balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not music. Music is, is, is within me, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sacrifice relationships, happiness, family for music. Um, and the reason being because at the end of the day, I am way more important to them than my music. Okay. Um, so that keeps me balanced. Right, yeah. Um, now, do I have a goal? Yes, it's music. Um, I'm blessed to be able to do music full-time. Um, but you previously said I was working for, you know, and I loved working, but I use music in my job. Mm-hmm. I use music wherever I go. I use music with my kids. I use So music is, to me, is my tool and my vehicle to get where I want to go. And that's my, that's my gauge of success. Not... Um, how many placements, how many, how many things I have going on. And I think that's where, as creatives, we get lost. Because once we start to see the money and the checks come and people start to, you're in demand for things, mm-hmm. that's when everything, you start to sacrifice certain things because you want that extra thing or I'm trying to quit my job or I'm trying to get there. Um, once you get it, you're like, oh, that's it. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. I'm, you know, when I got green, you know, I was working a full time job before Greenleaf, and I was, you know, hustling and you know doing my thing, and and then I had to leave my job to continue to work on Greenleaf, and, and other opportunities came my way. And so when I got those opportunities, I realized like, wow, some days I miss my job. Mm. Some days I miss the simple things. Um, some days I missed, you know, just. There's certain moments with my kids that I can't do today because I have to go on set, right. or I have to turn in this this song, or I have to compose this, you know, get this score out by a certain time, and have to the director. Um, I have to go to the studio. I have to do things, and so sometimes the nine to five was cool because at five o'clock I was done, and you were home, and I was home. So I always try to balance my life on. Always remind myself, what's the end goal? Is the end goal for me to make as much money off of music? Because if, if that's my end goal, I don't need to be married. I don't need to have my kids. I need to be, you know, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if my end goal is to be successful and music is a vehicle, then I have to find a balance. Okay. Yeah. I get you on the, I, I get you on the philosophy, even with that philosophy... You had to make choices, and you still had two scores you might be working on at a time mm-hmm. and working with a client. And so there was still, like, this... You still juggled all these things. So where's the... How did that philosophy drill down to a practical thing of, how do I do all this? How do I leave a 9 to 5 and get home and work on this and then have a kind of, You know, spend time... Make sure I'm spending time with with uh, Tasha at the end of the day right. and, and spending time with the kids. Like, practically, how did you divide those hours? Because it's still 24 hours in a day. Well, I divide, I, I basically said to myself, 
Um, do I want to lose my marriage or make this score? Okay. Do I want to have my child grow up with not knowing what I, you know what's going on, or do I need to make this score? So, were there scores that you let go, like, or because um, it seems like you've like from what I'm saying, it seems like you've juggled a lot. Well, as well, I think mm, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you, somehow this, some like to me, sacrifice is okay. The relationship goes, or the score <laughs> goes, but you seem to have well. Like, you got a lot of movies done, and you got a lot of TVs done, and you still have the happy home life, and you. you so, so I'm. Well, uh, the, so, the thing is, sometimes is you have to the the support system as well, the mm-hmm. balance. My wife, my family, see my end goal. They they see the progress. So mm-hmm. I have a very ultimately supportive wife partner. Mm-hmm. And she's my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first thing. And she knows she's my, I've known her for going on 20 years, been married for 12. She's my friend, you know. So she understands the my process of getting things done. Um, there's some nights where, to be honest with you, um, last couple nights, you know, I want to put my kids to sleep. So I'm up all night working on music. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice I have to make is do I need to get some sleep? Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know. But that's important. It's yeah. Still, it's some, it's some, um, okay. But there's also sometimes where I have to, I will, I'm, and I'm learning this now because I'm really understanding this now. I'll call the production company and say, hey, I have to see you by Tuesday. Or I have to see you by, understanding it's okay to say no mm-hmm. because once they call you, they want you. Right. Um, it's okay to say, I have to see you by Friday or what's the deadline? And, and let them understand that your schedule is more is, 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 is as is important as their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it, it kind of falls in place. Now, um, before doing all this, a lot of independent projects and working, I juggled a lot and I was tired a lot and it was unhealthy at some time, some points. You know, blood pressure got high and okay. stress levels got high. So that's when I had to kind of write stuff down, like, what's important? Gotcha, okay. You know, do I really need to, you know, sacrifice my life for this simple for this commercial, right? That's gonna give me twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. The twenty five hundred is great, but I'm gonna, it's gonna be gone in three weeks. Right. So let's really think about what's important. And so finding that balance within yourself and understanding that. And one thing that I do tell a lot of music producers, a lot of creators, you're only one person away from being where you think you want to right. be. Right. Right. You don't need to do a thousand projects to get to that one big one. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think you just focus on understanding your craft and understand your talent and your creative ability to get to that next level mm-hmm. and networking with the right person to get to that next level so you don't have to sacrifice as much. Mm. You know? Kind of work smarter instead of harder. Yeah, yeah, that's the game. Really work hard. I mean, and then also, too, prioritize what's really important. Mm-hmm. I really had to sit down myself because there was a point in my time, in my life, my life, and my wife, we were kind of sure like, all right. You need to sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a health alarm. Um, my blood pressure, I had to do a physical about six years ago, and my blood pressure was through the roof. Wow. I mean, the, my doctor was like, yo, you not dizzy? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. And he was like, because I was drinking, you know, coffee and, you know, eating, you know, on the road as I'm driving somewhere. And he said, dude, your health is, you're, you're going to be dead in 10 years if you keep going this route figure out what's really important. Mm. And that's before Greenleaf. Wow. And I was like, okay. So I sat down and said, God, if you're going to allow this to happen for me, you're going to allow it in your time. 
and I need to, to prioritize myself the right way. Mm-hmm. And I did that. I put him, I put God first, wife, family, and everything else goes on the backside. So once I did those three things, once I put those, I lined those priorities up, Greenleaf comes. Mm-hmm. More money comes. Okay, mm-hmm. now you can go quit your job. Right. Now, you know, things align a certain way, and that's how I feel like that's the that's the cheat code. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Relax, breathe. You don't got to make a thousand songs. Make one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make a good one, you know? Right. Um, that's really it, I that's think. Really powerful, and it's a great, great, great... Uh, we're going to end on that. because that's just, Oh, okay. We're we're gonna, really I was having a good time. We can keep going. <laughs> we could. Talk we for to, three hours. I have to do a second show because there's some other questions that are in there. So. <laughs> so um, we got to talk about the songwriting. I talk about, you know, how we did um, um, on Greenleaf and all that stuff. I know, the whole process. I mean, That I, was a whole... Uh, amazing Jesus. process. All right, well, well, well you're gonna come, that just means you have to come back. <laughs> yeah, I'll come back. We'll come back because uh, we want to, so many things we want to talk. We want to talk about music and money. I was, I actually wanted to get into your whole just keep working philosophy. Like, there's so many things we could talk about. Um, but I want to. I said I was gonna keep these to an hour, so I'm gonna stop here at 60 minutes. It's your, uh, it's your show, though. You just want to <laughs> make this thing an hour and a half. We can talk about it. It's your show. It is my show. <laughs> no, we're, we're wrapping it up. <laughs> I want to thank Matthew Head for coming out. Uh, appreciate you having me here, yes, brother. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you, you so much, much, brother. I appreciate um, you. So, stay tuned. Uh, we will keep coming. Uh, we're going to keep these coming up weekly. And hit me up either at thecreateshow at gmail.com. If you have questions, if there's a particular topic within the realm of creativity that you want to discuss or somebody that you think we need to be talking to, uh, shoot me an email. Uh, you can also catch me on any social network at Eric Makes Music, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Find me there. Come talk to me. Come holler at me. Thank you for tuning in to The Create Show. We'll uh, catch you next week. <laughs>